0: opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in.
1: We have two scripture passages this morning. Listen for these words from the prophet Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of mountains, and shall be raised above the hills, all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, "'Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And our gospel passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, which Josie has read for us. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After listening to the scriptures for this morning, you might wonder if we are in the right season at all. The tree is up and decorated by some lovely folks who sprung into action while the Cuba contingent was traveling. The wreaths are all in place, including our Advent wreath. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, but today's readings are anything but Christmassy. Where's the pregnant Mary? Where, where are those shepherds? I could really use a comforting story of old. We are in the season of Advent. And, you know, we never start Advent with something soft and baby blue or carols about a manger, or with people holding candles singing, let there be peace on earth. After all, today is New Year's Day on the church calendar. We start our new Christian year with an apocalyptic text like this one with a jarring appeal for urgency. The first Sunday of the Christian year is usually spent thinking about how all this is going to end. We get a vision of what the end of time as we know it may look like, and Frankly, this can be an alarming passage if we're not quite sure how we stand with God. What is this business about one taken while two are grinding their meal? Sure, there are days when I would just love to be lifted out of all the hassles of life, but really, is this how we're going to start the season? Poet Anne Lewin wrote the following entitled, Advent. Season when dual citizenship holds us in awkward tension. The world, intent on spending Christmas, eats and drinks its way to oblivion after dinner. The kingdom sounds insistent warnings. Repent, be ready, keep awake. He comes like some great fugue, the themes entwine. The Christmas carols, demanding our attention in shops and pubs before their insistent way through the noise of traffic, underneath, almost unheard, the steady, solemn theme of Advent. With growing complexity clashing, bending rivals our attention. Themes mingle and separate, pulling us with increasing urgency until, in final resolution, the end attained, harmony rests in awful stillness. The child is born, he comes, but child and judge, and will he find us watching? In church, we are in the not yet stage of Christmas. My sometimes grinchy self is glad that I no longer have to shake my fist at those people who have their trees up and lit before Thanksgiving. I mean, really. Before Thanksgiving, it's no time for lit Christmas trees. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we are in the get ready stage of the season. My next thought might logically be for what exactly are we getting ready? Excellent question. With Thanksgiving this past week, many of us were planning menus and family gatherings and getting ready for shopping for turkeys or pies and all the trimmings. The official shopping season began just two days ago on Black Friday, and many folks were getting ready for Christmas by waiting in lines for special deals or shopping online from the sofa. And yet we have much more to prepare for Christmas than what is under our tree, don't we? There are the parties and concerts, like this afternoon's do-it-yourself Messiah, the tree to put up and decorate, the cookies to bake, the cards to write, and we're not even in December, and my head is beginning to swim with everything that needs to be done in under a month. The month of November, for me, was spent figuring out our plans for worship for the eight services we're having between now and the 25th. I'm grateful for such wonderful partners with amazing patience to meet with me repeatedly, thanks Joe and Matt and Rachel and the worship team, for thinking through the upcoming season. Getting ready with the right themes and words and music leads us to Christmas. And we're nearly ready for that, but we could use a few more volunteers to light the Advent candles. I guess I can't ever take that hat off. Rachel helped our Cuba contingent get ready for our trip. As part of the congregation with a covenantal relationship with the good people of Iglesia Presbyteriano Reforma de Luglioneau, you all donated needed items to bring in our bags. The relationship is so complicated between our countries. They need so much materially, and we have so much. It sure would be simpler if we could just ship needed items over, does not work that way, unfortunately. We wish we could send money so they can buy things on the market that the government does not have in their stores, but alas, we cannot send dollars. We had to carry cash and euros and document every penny we spent, although there was nothing to spend money on, Uh, but we have paperwork to file with our governments and to stay within the limits allowed legally. And get ready we did. From packing enormous suitcases that we planned to leave behind, we made sure that each were under 50 pounds, distributing medicines and yarn and clothing and rechargeable lamps for blackout periods that are still happening, and more supplies, so we did not appear to be trying to sell items. Rachel handed us envelopes of cash offerings from our congregation to carry individually so that we stayed legal under the limits of what is permissible for each person to have as they enter the country. We met at the airport to travel the third Thursday in November, ready or not. But friends, my heart was not ready. I dearly love the people I have met in Lou you know. There are warm smiles and kisses on cheeks every time you meet or say farewell. Our brothers and sisters are overflowing with love and graciousness every time we see them. I try to keep tabs on those that I have made a connection with through Facebook from home, and the more I read, the more I read, the less I wanted to go. Not at all because I did not want to see them, to be with them. I wanted to, but because I did not want to take anything away from them. I wanted no one to have to sacrifice for me. As we were on one of our three planes to Havana that Thursday, I read a translated statement about the things one of our sister uh, in Lugano said that she could not buy at the government store. But her question haunted me. What am I going to feed my boys for the next three days? People waited in hours-long lines only to get to the front of the line and no food available. It is heart-wrenching to read those things, especially about people you have met and with whom you've shared your life, even if for a few days. My first trip to Cuba in July of 2015 included easier restrictions and was before the pandemic further wrecked their economy with no access for years to tourist dollars. That first trip with young people from our church was one of my fondest memories during that was the amazing food that we had and especially the ripe tropical fruit at every meal. Our favorite food item of all was the freshly squeezed pitchers of mango guava and papaya juices for breakfast every day. We loved it. That fresh juice was made from fruit that they peeled and squeezed in the kitchen of the church, a delicious gift of love and service. This trip, we arrived after 11 hours of travel. No, it was more than 11. It was like 18 hours of travel and a 30-minute bumpy rented bus ride with host Danielle To the gathering room of the church with hot coffee and tea and a couple of snacks and a pitcher of fresh mango juice. I knew the mangoes were not in season in late November and wondered how in the world they could offer this generous gift of hospitality. Danielle told us that the church had been planning for our arrival to honor their 100th anniversary for a very long time they had been getting ready. They planned to celebrate and to be gracious hosts. They planned to offer whole pitchers of out of season, freshly squeezed tropical juice for their guests. To do this, they sliced and froze the fruit in the summer during the season and waited for our arrival. It was not until the end of the trip that I realized that this gift was even more amazing. You see, Cuba's power grid failed after a hurricane, and, and then a fire. And our brothers and sisters ran generators on precious fuel to keep the freezers cold so they could offer this gift. They were ready to serve us. Oh my word, I felt so utterly unworthy of the effort. I do not want to be seen as an ugly American demanding my share since I have the means to purchase. Very few Cubans are overweight. In fact, they're terribly thin because food is scarce. I lost weight in my four days away, not because there was insufficient food offered to us, but because I ate smaller portions than I normally would, which is why I needed to lose weight. Um, so that there might be leftovers for our hosts. I don't want anyone to go hungry because I took food that could have gone to them. But you see, that was not how our hosts saw it at all. Their hearts are always ready to receive gifts because they view it as a spiritual exercise for the community to share, to show kindness, to offer hospitality because they might be entertaining angels unaware. Cubans are known for their gracious and generous hospitality, and they live their faith in concrete, tangible, sacrificial ways. They give of their best, no matter how much or how little they have. We, too, are called to live our faith out loud in concrete, tangible ways. Our brothers and sisters in Cuba show us their hope their hospitality, their love in action, they are ready to embody and display their faith. And I take that with me. Today's readings remind us that we are to get ready, to be prepared for the end to come. Our gospel passage tells us that we do not know when our number will be up nor when Christ will return. A young colleague of mine and father of two little boys died suddenly last month when the car containing those four best friends on their way to a surprise party crashed into a tree. You never expect the death of people so young and vital to come so suddenly. How are we to live then? Full of despair of the not knowing or do we get ourselves ready for anything at any time? Our scripture tells us, but about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of man. Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If you're anything like me, I hear these words and think, seriously? In this season I'm supposed to be ready for what exactly? Lord, is it one more thing for me to keep in the forefront of my mind? I'm just not sure I can do this one more thing. One sermon I read talked about a skit from the British television show from the 70s called Money Python, and the skit was called The Spanish Inquisition. The man in the skit says, Mr. Wentworth just told me to come in here and say that there was trouble at the mill. That's all. I don't expect a kind of Spanish inquisition. As if on cue, inquisitors burst into the room and one of them says, nobody expects the Spanish inquisition. Our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear. Fear and surprise are Two weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency. Our three weapons are fear, surprise, and ruthless efficiency and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Our four, no, amongst our weapons, amongst our weaponry are such elements as fear, surprise. I'll come in again. The inquisitors exit the scene to re enter and begin the speech again. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. The Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Jesus tells us he is coming back, and more than that, he is telling us to be ready even for the Spanish Inquisition. Jesus gives us another directive in this passage to keep awake, to pay attention to look for God, and even expect to see God. The message translation says of our last gospel verse, you have no idea when the Son of Man is going to show up. Monday morning, the morning of our departure, our breakfast table was full of old and new friends. You see, there were eight of us that had tri- traveled to Lou you know. There were four from Champaign and four from Austin. We reflected on our time together, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Lou you know congregation. Uh, the four folks from the Austin Church, they represented a church that had a 25-year relationship, and our own congregation has had over 10 years of its own covenant with Lou Yano, but we had not yet met each other until Friday morning. Danielle's mother-in-law, Elda Marine Hernandez, was with us for the celebration weekend and blessed us with a reflection on Psalm 133. She wrote Monday morning. In it, she said, and this is translated by Google Translate because I don't speak Spanish, but I think the sentiment's there. And I apologize that the picture's sideways. That's, um, it, I wanted to show the love. I, th- I hope you can capture that. When in another language they talk about how to build more bridges and strengthen the old ones, when one thinks that the others are giving and those feel that they are receiving, as they pass, the hair turns white and the legs do not respond in the same way. However, the shine of the eyes does not go out. With three communities communicate and two of them meet for the first time at our table, it is as if time and space do not exist. When one has the privilege of seeing the face of God face to face and living, there is no other choice. There the Lord sends blessing and eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Our sister in Lou, you told us she glimpsed the face of God around the table. What a gift our t- time together was for all of us. The faith of our siblings in Christ is indeed humbling, for they share their deep and trusting faith with such ease. Every time we visit, we receive such love. You know, we have the opportunity to see God in the faces of those we meet right here. The thing is, our hearts have to be ready, and we must be looking, even expecting we will meet God. We have to remember what is truly important, not the lists, not the many to-do items that pop up this time of year. Matthew tells us, you have no idea when the Son of Man is going to show up, so let's be on the watch, because we might just meet God. In the person of those we see right here and now, and especially those we serve. For as you do to the least of these, you do unto me, says the Lord. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpreschurch. Have a great week.